Now, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. Taken from Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they, will, they, ha, they, are, they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they'll do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and, go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the things that has uh, been disrupted is kind of our normal, everyday spiritual routines that we might have. And uh, for example, uh, instead of getting up in the morning and just getting off to work, you have uh, maybe a little more time. And so one of the things I'm going to encourage you to do is to spend more time in God's Word and prayer this week. And maybe next week, one of the things that you can do, as has been mentioned, is uh, check out that Dwell app and just listen to Scripture. And that could be a regular, everyday thing. I'm also doing uh, morning devotionals Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Uh, please join me for that time. But Genesis 11, uh, 1 through 11 is a very popular text. And there, I have titled this sermon that Babel is the story of God toppling our towering egos. God is toppling our towering egos. Now, Jamie has a habit. This is what she normally does, her normal routine. She awakes groggy after a poor night's sleep. She stays up scrolling through her Instagram feed, waiting for people to give her that little sign of affirmation that she is a somebody, that what she's put out there was really worthwhile and really important. With each little like, she gets a buzz. Every time she hears that chime, her heart raises up, her face looks up. Of course, her little video was not on her her little video was also on TikTok and she wants to see how many views she got. She goes to TikTok to reveal that uh, most certainly she has not gone viral, nor has she even picked up enough views to even be considered noticeable. Her stomach tightens, so she jumps over to Instagram to find out more of the same. She wonders to herself, "Am I ever going to make it big? Will I ever escape this mundane life?" She says to herself these things. She punishes herself. She gets up, gets ready for work. She reminds herself about her parents always telling her that the best way to succeed in life was to work hard, make money, uh, have a family, retire early, and travel. 
But that isn't what she envisions will give her a grounding in life, to give her an identity, make her a somebody. No, she wants to be famous. That'll ease her, her, the pain that she feels in herself. She wants to make a name for herself. She wants to trend. She wants to go viral. She wants to be a somebody. You see, every generation feels this. Baby boomers, instead of checking their social media accounts, they check their bank accounts. Gen Xers, they checked on their soulmate to see how their relationship was doing. Millennials, they checked their Instagram account to see how cool their adventure was with their friends. Gen Z, they check into YouTube. You see, the desire to be rich and famous, to leave behind our mundane existence, indicates that we are dissatisfied with something in our lives or even our lives. Uh, Madonna was a perfect example of this. Uh, Madonna, for you young kids, super popular in the 80s and 90s. Uh, cone, uh, pointy cone bra, I, that, I guess the best I can give you. My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre, she writes. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. You know, this is more or less what P. Diddy, Mace, and Notorious B.I.G. instructed nearly 20 years ago, that being rich and famous can be summed up with this, mo money, mo problems. You see, even the great number of billionaires, as we hear these, these past few days, can't escape this. They try to escape the virus by heading off to deserted islands, castles in Scotland, remote ranches in New Mexico, but they still have to wrestle with the fact that, that, with the fact that they are fearing the virus, that there's something in them that they fear, that they want to escape. The same is true for every generation. There is something that we wanted to escape. There's something in us that we want to get away from. And so we recognize this in ourselves. We see it as need in ourselves, as a type of inadequacy. And the people of Babel also have this inadequacy as a group of people, this desire to escape, this desire to be famous. So what does our desire to escape the mundane reveal for us? It's that we have an overextended need to be self-important, to be noticed. We feel insufficient in ourselves. Our egos are out of whack. That seems to be the problem with the people in the plain of Shinar. But even if they were to get it, will it be enough? And will our own little kingdoms be enough? It reveals to us that we all want the stuff of the king, but not the king. We want to be our own kings, which is dangerous, in which God himself in this text will put a stop to. See, the coronavirus exposed our fragile egos. It made us think about the problem of ourselves and made us aware that something isn't quite right. We all at once felt out of control. We felt the anxiety of being forced out of our daily routine. The gods of our job... Our recognition, our freedom all went out the window or it just went inside closed doors maybe. We all just kind of became uh, closed in our own homes. 
But for many, staying at home has revealed that we feel insufficient, small, and unimportant. It isn't until there's a problem that we notice something. Uh, For example, when coronavirus hit, the first thing I did was every time I felt a little tickle in my throat, and every time I felt that there might have been some kind of cough working, I'm like, I got it. I've got it. I never paid more attention to washing my hands and be in sanitary conditions until we knew about the coronavirus. We never pay attention to something until we know that there's something wrong. Okay? And so we don't know that there's something wrong, and so we, uh, but, but now we pay attention to our egos all the time, don't we? We're always wondering what's going on. We're always curious about this. All of our jobs, our relationships, our internal efforts, our adventures on Instagram, they're all ways that we're trying to soothe this problem of the ego that we just can't get away from. And now they've all been taken away from us. We start to notice it. We have a problem. The anxiety we feel, the fear that we feel, all points to the fact that we have a sensitivity, a need, just, just like the people of Babel. A need to be somebody, to be important, to be safe, to have our, and our anxieties and our fears, our desires for these things point to the fact that we don't have it yet or that it hasn't come all the way home for us. What the story of the Tower of Babel teaches us is this, that the way of our secular world is, and what it's trying to sell us is something fraudulent. It isn't good enough. It isn't, going, it isn't the real deal. It isn't everything that you actually want it to be or you need it to be. It tries to sell us on the idea that becoming famous, rich, or self-important can overcome the deficiencies that we feel in ourselves. But when the coronavirus hits, all we can think about is ourselves, and, and we can't get away from that. We're freaked out. We still have the fear. We still have the anxiety. We still never feel like we're enough. But it shows us also that we are insufficient And our efforts are insufficient toward real freedom, toward being the real you, toward being saved. So secularism, the main point here, secularism is inadequate to answer the problem of the ego. Secularism is inadequate to answer the problem of the ego. And so we will look at two points, making a name for ourselves and receiving his name making a name for ourselves and receiving his name. When I mean secularism, uh, I mean life without God. That's what I mean, living the world without God. Verses 1 through 4 of our text uh, discusses humanity's efforts to save themselves apart from God. Verses 5 through 9 is God's judgment on that type of self-effort, what I would call moralism. They made for themselves a city and a tower to make a name for themselves. Cities were places of refuge and trade. That is where things happen. It's where you could be somebody. It was economic and military security is what it meant. Towers at this time were religious sites, kind of like a spire, we think, uh, at reaching up into the heavens. And so this tower at this time in the ancient Near East is probably a ziggurat. It was at the center of the city, spiraling up as a staircase. And at the top is the celestial palace, they believe, where heaven and earth met and the gods could dwell. 
See, Babel works as an archetype for other systems and religions that are opposed to God's way of salvation. Notice that it opens up, now the whole earth had one language in the same words. So meaning that they were unified in this one time. And so it's being used as a, as a literary archetype for the whole world. This is the way of the world. This is Babel. And so they are people who desire to make a name for themselves, it says. Theirs is the way of self-salvation, moralism, either through religious adherence or through dogmatic self-expression, which is itself its own form of religion. And so they use technology for their kingdom. Notice that they have bricks, which is better than the stones that the Israelites had had at probably at that time. And so it was a step up from stone. They would burn them together. They knew how to, they took all their time, talent, and resources in order to make bricks so that they can make a name for themselves. So what they were doing was that they were leveraging everything about themselves for the sake of themselves. They weren't using them as gifts to glorify God, but they were using them to glorify themselves. See, modernism, as we kind of see it today, tech, we believe that technology will save us. Science can give us the answers, we believe. But far from answering our deepest questions, what are we here for? What is the purpose of life? Why is the world and myself all jacked up? And how in the world can this possibly be different? Science can't possibly give us an answer to that. I mean, it could propose maybe uh, ways or it could show us maybe a, an idea of uh, uh, kind of like the way things are. Here's, a, here's an evaluation of things are. It can give you data. It can't give you ethics. can't give you morals. can't give you what the purpose of life is. See, technology can't really save us. We're more technologically advanced than we'd ever been, and yet we are still stuck in our homes because of coronavirus. We haven't even taken dominion completely over our own world. Secularism today, the view that all religious schemes are equally defeasible and therefore shouldn't be held on to tightly. You know, it's the belief that you're a firework, so go ahead and shine or, you know, whatever that, that famous uh, philosopher Katy Perry says. is She believes that you just become famous. You know, being moral, it can help you there. Just be a good person. It can help you there. Make a name for yourself, because that's all that lasts, even if your consciousness won't. But what good is your name if you'll never remember it? There's no you anymore. Eastern religions will tell you that you need to follow the Four Noble Truths or the Eightfold Paths to complete the Four Noble Truths. Follow the Dharma and escape suffering of the world. You know, make a name for yourself, though. In a certain way, those can be held in a, in a particular type of, uh, of uh, moralism as well. It's just taken on an Eastern flavor. Western religions aren't, aren't uh, immune to this either. You see, a moral person, you, Western religions say, be a moral person and God will let you escape from this suffering. But the problem with each of these ways is that the identity of the person is secured by the efforts of that person. So it is dependent on the fragile, finite self to make oneself unwavering and infinite, to make yourself stable. It is up to the self to deliver the judgment our heart most needs. It's up to the self to deliver and save the self. And that's a problem. It is not good. 
The problem is that if, if this identity is from the inside, the self, then it is only as strong and constant as we feel about ourselves. Moreover, then why are we constantly desiring to be affirmed by people on the outside of us? Why are likes so important if really the only important judge that you need is yourself? Why are we overcome by the bullying? Why are we, we so upset when we are not famous, when we're not noticed? Okay, ultimately, though, you see the heart of every person is looking for the verdict to end all other verdicts, and it must come from the outside of us, and it can't be taken from us. Ultimately, it is the judgment of God. Try to make a name for yourself by being a good parent. It'll only last until the next moment you scold your kids. Try to make a name for yourself by your job at work. It'll only last until you see that you didn't achieve employee of the month on the, on the little uh, uh, placard outside. Try to be a good romantic partner. It's only as good as the other person is constantly happy for you and with you. Adventure, it's only as good as your last Instagram post. Be a good student. Try to make your name for yourself that way. And it, you... I mean, you can't be a good student if you have no classroom anymore and you're stuck at home with mom and dad all the time. Yeah, be a good student there. Mom and dad's giving you the grades. Big whoop, you know? So you can't do it. See, Christianity says God becomes human and suffers for us that we sinners may have the judgment our heart desires and our heart really needs so that we're righteous, approved. And that judgment isn't dependent on our performance. It's dependent on Jesus' performance for us. It's the gospel, the basics of Christianity, that you're approved not because you have made yourself approvable, but you're approved because God looks on you and loves you, and that makes you approved. You see, I feel really useless right now. I am uh, stuck at home. My normal routine and work isn't going right the way I want it to. I am not able to work as many hours as I used to, and I'm thinking there, like, how in the world am I worth anything? And so what I've often done then is I realize I am basing my worth on what? On my ability to work and the time I spend working, on how competent I look. And so there's a problem with the self. I'm trying to make a name for myself by, based on my work. I'm a pastor and I'm doing that. And so I know you're at home doing the same thing. Uh, a few years ago, a friend called this out. It called something else out in me. I had the dirt on somebody else. I knew something about somebody and it wasn't going as well for them. And so I had this schoidenfreude. I knew exactly how bad it was for them. And so I was kind of gloating on it. And so I had this secret information. And then I would tell somebody. And then he said, why do you feel like that's like important to you? You see, the thing was, is I was building my self-importance. And it was revealed to me by a good friend. I was building my self-importance on what I knew and on this little secret dirt that I had on somebody. I was doing the way of Babel. I was making a name for myself based on that. And the thing is, is the Bible is teaching us that this is the common way of the world. And the thing is, is most of us don't even know we are living in it, swimming in it. It's the default mode of our heart. It's there all the time. 
And what does growth in Christianity look like is the, is the growth to do otherwise, to actually trust that you are approved and validated by God in Jesus Christ and then live according to that validation that you are his child, that you are loved by him, that you're actually noticed by him. And that's what Christianity looks like, and that's what growing in Christianity looks like. But what about receiving his name? Verses 5 through 9 reveals God's judgment on self-centered efforts to make yourself into a somebody. It is this part that many people confuse about Christianity. Many people think it is a quest to get to heaven, to some ethereal place, a place where there's no suffering, maybe there's some bouncing on clouds, and there's ample toilet paper. That is what we think that heaven is suddenly like. Rather, Christianity teaches that heaven isn't just a place. But it is a person, heaven and earth, and a person coming to you. We can't get him by our efforts, but he comes to you. He comes to us. You see, forget this. Forget this, and you will have trouble with Christianity your entire life. Christianity is not man get to God, but God come to man. And that is important. It is not Tower of Babel building yourself up to get to him, but it is God coming down in the form of a lowly baby coming to save his people, bringing heaven to earth in a child. It is God himself. So first notice that the Lord has to come down. It says in verse 5, And the Lord came down to see. Notice that they said, Let us make something that reaches to the heavens, all the way to the top, a tower, and we'll have a name for us. God will, will be able to see it. He'll be like, Oh, these are approvable people. But it says here that the Lord came down to see the city. He came down to see, which the children of man had built. And so he looks down at him and he says, your puny little tiny efforts. I have to come all the way down to earth in order to see your efforts. Try to work your way to heaven? Uh, not likely. I have to use a telescope, a cosmic telescope to even see your effort. And it is infantile to try and do it. It's pathetic. True Christianity is about God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself, namely making yourself truly lovable, noticeable, to make yourself a true somebody. You see, the truth about Christianity isn't that we're going to escape this world, but the truth about Christianity is that the world and everything that it was meant to be came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God says that nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Or literally translated, all they plan to do will not be withheld from them. Meaning that together these people would be able to live a life free from a savior, and they would perish without him. You see, and we have done that too, haven't we? We have medicated our lives with alcohol, funny YouTube videos, uh, perfectly uh, well-organized uh, dishwashers, and everything our person could possibly need to ignore him. Instead of seeing these as gifts from him for his glory, we use technology, we use things so that we can soothe and ignore God. 
And God says, that ain't happening. You see, this is what the social commentator and pastor Mark Sayer says. We all desire a kingdom without a king. That's the way of secularism today. Instead, we ought to use the things that God has given us, his good gifts for his purpose, to his glory, to love God, love neighbor. Imagine if we were to use all of God's gifts all the technology, all of our talents, all of our time, all of our resources for the good of others instead of making a name for ourselves, there wouldn't be hoarding of toilet paper. God then, he, he thwarts and frustrates their ability to make a lasting kingdom for themselves. It is by grace he does that. He confuses their languages and disperses them over the world. Babel, that word in Akkadian, uh, I know I'm really nerding it up right now, uh, means gate of heaven. But in Hebrew, it means confused. So the author is having this play on words, saying your best religious efforts to make yourself great isn't the gate to heaven. Oh no, that is the way of confusion. You are doing it wrong. This past week, I've felt this confusion. Or we have all felt this confusion. Our egos, our sense of self have taken a major hit. We've been made to feel fragile, vulnerable, out of control. Because the virus, our work, has, has ta- been taken. Our parenting has been changed. Being a good friend has changed. And here's the deal. Self-made value or identity. A self-made name will always be fragile because it is always up to your performance. But if your value, your identity, who you really are, is from God, and that's the priority in your life, and it depends on Him, then it depends on Him. And it's constant. It's permanent. And it'll take the legs right out from moralism. It takes the the legs out from your need to perform. Acts 4.12 says, There is no other name that we are to be saved by. Notice that in the next major uh, section of the scriptures, in uh, Genesis 12, in the call of Abram, God reverses it. It's no longer, let us make a name for ourselves, Babel, but rather God says to Abram, I will make your name great, and all the families of the earth will be blessed in you. The Apostle John tells us that those who receive him, those who believe in his name, are given the right to be children of God. And Jesus in Matthew 28 says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to obey all that I have commanded you, and I am with you even to the end of the age, he says. So the name, the fame, the renown that you need, the judgment that your heart most yearns for is one that is received. It is one bestowed and given freely by God in his grace, and you receive it as a beggar with empty and open arms, saying, this is what my heart really needs. And if it doesn't depend on your performance, if it doesn't depend on you, then praise God, because it's not on you. It was on Jesus. 
Christianity isn't about making a name for yourself. No, it's about receiving the true name, being blessed in his name according to his reputation, his performance, because God has highly exalted him, it says in Philippians, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, not myself, to the glory of God the Father, You see, when your fame or your name really isn't on the line, then you're free to sacrifice it. It is because the one who gave you his name sacrificed his for you. That means all your time, talents, resources are no longer slaves for you to secure what you cannot gain, nor what you cannot keep. They are free to use for his glory because your glory isn't on the line. So what do you have this week? You got technology? Good. Use it to connect with somebody who might be lonely. Use it to connect with those who are isolated. You got extra resources? Cool. Find someone to care for. You've got needs? Great. Communicate your needs so that people in the community may be able to serve in love and help you as well. You see, Christianity doesn't teach, you know, make yourself a somebody and God will notice you. Oh no, Christianity says that God notices you and the true somebody came and died like a nobody so you can be his true somebody. When you see that at the cross, Jesus, the king of the universe, heaven come down, is dying for you. And that this is all the noticing, fame, and reputation you really need, when that becomes your hope, then no circumstance, no grief, no wind of shame can ever take it away. You may get battered, but you could stand strong because the strong name of Jesus is on you and he won't take it away because it is determined not by your name, but by his name. And so we receive that name. We don't make a name for ourselves. We trust in that name. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we pray that you would bestow on us afresh the name that really matters, the reputation that really matters, that we may go serve and honor that name that Jesus would be glorified and known amongst our neighbors and our friends, and that we would take risks and that we would honor you and worship you by taking risks for your name because our reputation isn't on the line. Lord, help us to love like you have loved us, to be gracious as you have been gracious to us. Transform us now. Let us trust in you. Lord, be with us this week as we go out to love and serve our neighbors to the glory of your name. Amen.